0: Welcome to Puck Talk CS. I'm Chives alongside the main man, Steve O, ready to rock like Glock Purdy. Hmm. Steve O, or Tommy touchdowns. That's a little more uh, geographically. uh, I think that would be more geographically conscious of us to start the episode with a little Tommy DeVito reference. Hail to the king there. Five and eight Giants. I know, Steve O, you're a G men guy. So um, good Monday night game. At the point where you're listening to this, the Leafs game has happened, but there's plenty of storylines that we're going to dive into today.
1: Yeah, we are. First of all, somebody get Tommy his cutlets. Uh, Chives, coming off LTIR, look great, sound great, sickness is off. So great to have you back here at 100%. Chives, we got a lot of talk about, so let's not waste any time. Let's talk some puck. Coming off a strong performance on Sunday night against the Kings. We got a lot to jump into. Where do you want to tack this first?
0: John Quick's energy was electric, like getting into the scrums. And it's funny because the players always say like fans, the media, they're looking for something, right? Like, oh, what was involved with that? I think his emotions for playing his former team and how that ended were not like, directly influencing or, like, on his mind in that moment. I think it was just, like, Byfield getting in the mix of things, giving him a little jab. Quick was not having that. He was on fire. Um, all right, let's actually talk, steve Third jerseys, how did we like them? I thought they looked better in person, and I was the biggest hater.
1: I wouldn't want to call myself a hater on them. Uh, I just, to me, they're mid. Like, I think when you have uh, – we've had better alternate jerseys um and yeah. i think compared to some of the ones we've had in the past uh, you know especially stemming back Rick the, the rick nash days you know those were king lady liberties i just think we've had some better ones you know and, and these are not bad i know that a lot of people are hating on these and i thought this was really interesting ranger fans tend not to like them from what i've seen and other people like fans of other teams around the nhl they seem to like them so i i think it's interesting i think Based on those uh, – or based on these numbers, you could kind of correlate that the Ranger fans, again, we've had better alternates. Again, on the ice, they didn't really look that bad. Um, would yeah. I go out and buy one? No, probably not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I-, I didn't think they were that bad. And listen, if we play like we did in those jerseys, we should wear them every freaking game.
0: You know what? I agree, Stevo. I thought, like, like Washington, Washington. – by the way, Adam Fox, 300th NHL game in Washington. Um, I literally didn't – that flew over my head. We got that in the post-game report. I look back at it because, like, that was such a, you know, drop of a game. I just went right to writing the takeaways on it. Um, but, yeah, so Adam Fox, he's back, uh, back in action. With that, team looked really good. Defense was, like, really limiting the opportunities of the LA Kings on the rush. And that was a problem stemming to Nashville where it was like blatantly obvious that the Rangers were giving up odd man rush after odd man rush. Talked to Greg Wyshynski, actually not on the record, but I asked him uh, at, at the garden, this was in the preseason. I said, what's the one thing that the Rangers don't have still? And he said, I don't know about their speed, and I don't know about how they can reduce Carolina and New Jersey's speed. Well, lo and behold, they were able to fix that against at least in one game against L.A., start to turn things around. And we'll talk about later in the episode, the Hurricanes and Devils are struggling. So the Rangers do have aspects to their game that I think coming into the season we didn't give enough credit to. Jonathan Quick, he was the story against – the Kings, the Kings. But, but players like Johnny Brodzinski, V.C., Will Cooley are the goal scorers. Great. Mika getting on the score sheet. Great. Limiting rush attempts coming on the, the Rangers way on the defensive side of the puck. Great. Playing a little chippy. You get Barkley Goodrow back. Don in some jerseys that rest of the league likes ranger fans might not be huge on but you get the dubbing them i know that was a problem last year with the liberty jerseys last year i thought they were better than the first go around of the like redouble the liberty jerseys but oh boy they lost like every game in those
1: yeah and listen i i think the big storyline out of this like you mentioned is johnny quick i mean there's a point where actually i'll save that i'll save the the negative for for my last point but Let's go positives. Why not? Um, Obviously, we knew this coming into this game. The Kings are one of the hottest teams right now in the NHL. And not only that, but they've been one of the best five-on-five teams in hockey this year. And I thought, to me, I I thought we played that pretty well. Um, I wouldn't want to say Quick was tested a whole lot, Chives, with quality opportunities. But when push came to shove, uh, he came up with the key saves, uh, especially when there was a lot of scrambles in front of the net and the Rangers came out and he got them. Now, this kind of leads me, and I'm sure we'll jump into this in a a question later on in the segment, but Jonathan Quick, I mean, we've seen this time and time again this season. Jonathan Quick has kind of been, I mean, he's been outstanding, man. You look at his stats, have just been awesome. But how many times are the Rangers going to rely on this? meaning quick coming in and coming back to a a rebound game I do think that the Rangers were due for a wake-up call especially these last few games even though you talk about the lack of of just like quality chances and even a little sloppy in Nashville uh, against the Sharks the Rangers were due for a little bit of a wake-up call but I am we're not entering a full-on slump and again beating it quality team kings are one of the best teams in the league whether you want to admit it or not um that just puts us right back on the path and again you got to keep it up because I, i i you look forward you can't really analyze it through this 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 way of looking at it but what made the rangers so effective especially in that game they beat carolina earlier in the year um you mentioned that the rangers are kind of lacking a little bit in the speed department. These last few games, yeah, they have. And again, who's going to beat you the best at that? Carolina and New Jersey. But also, they're slumping too. So you can't really view view it from that viewpoint. But I think if we could, we the way we play the La Violette, if we run things 100% the way we want to run things, that could counteract what New Jersey has and what Carolina has in terms of speed. Um, it sucks that we're not going to play them now uh until way on in 2024 but um i i think it's i think it's been pretty good so far and uh uh, johnny quick's been outstanding man really turning back the clock
0: now to clip the game i'll keep it on my phone while um at the garden just to clip the videos of the goals and stuff to post them but i i so i don't get to watch like i don't watch msg network's production of the game I'm able to, it's funny, I can hear Sam, so that's fun. But otherwise, like, I don't get the some of the nuggets that they find in stats. Um, I saw, and I'm not sure if this is 100% true, I, I couldn't really find it online. Jonathan Quick has the longest streak. This was on the game the other night, the longest streak, points streak of a goaltender in Ranger history. He's 8-0-1, so that means in nine, he has a nine-game stretch where in all of his starts. I don't know if that's to start of the season, like Panarin's point streak was. Like it's not the longest point streak in club history. It was the longest point streak to start a season. It might have been the start of the season, but the fact that Jonathan Quick at 37 years old, he was like the stud in LA, right? The the star, um, among the stars in Hollywood. And then he come you know, he goes to Vegas, they win, but he's kinda in like a tertiary role. Like I didn't think he was going to come in and be a, a not only reliable backup, but at this point, like William Jennings trophy level of tandem between him and Chester can Steve. I got questions later for you on that, but there is one thing I'd like to point out also from that Kings game. Biggest takeaway, Jimmy VC, Barkley Goodrow, who had like today, the report was that he had like a piece of his mouth come out and that's why he wasn't in the game and he's on a liquid diet for a month. Like it wasn't a tooth. It was like a chunk of him huh. from when the puck It' disgusting. So <laughs> he plays against LA and the VC Goodrow Benino line shuts down Kopitar, Byfield, Kempe. They also played against Marshan and Pasternak against Boston when they defeated them at home a few weeks back. And on the road, they played against Jack Hughes line. Peter Laviolette believes that line has identity. They do have an yeah, identity right now. and now he's having them skate against top lines. Now we're recording this before the Leafs game based on Johnny took a photo and sent it in and was like lobby's talking to the fourth line. I have a feeling if maybe they won't play every shift, but they'll play shifts against the Matthews line tonight. And, or I guess at this point, if you're listening, they will have had played them. I'm really impressed with the fact that he relies on the fourth line in that respect, and I think it's a takeaway we've slept on: is that he's playing our fourth line against the best players in the entire NHL. Like we're talking, the LA Kings are were 11-0 and one on the road coming into that game, and he trusted VC Benino and Goodrow to shut them down, and they did, and they did against Boston, and they did against New Jersey.
1: Yeah, and that just goes to show you how much we trust in bringing them up for in tough situations. Um, you also got to give credit to this defense, chives I mean, the Rams gave up ten goals, uh, in in both Washington and Ottawa. So come, they defense really needed a rebound game, and you got it right off the bat in the first period, given delivering a scoreless first period, which I thought was so important. And listen, I don't want to say it's true or admit it, but this defense plays. There's a noticeable difference the way this defense plays behind Shesterkin and when this defense plays behind Quick. Um, Do you have any explanation to that or any reason why that might be? Because I see it, and I think all Ranger fans do. I mean, it's just Quick's in there. It's just a different defense, man. You want my
0: advanced analysis, Steve? Honest take. Let's hear. It's the Henrik Lundqvist effect. I think oh. that we saw this in Lundqvist's entire career. I, I don't think, like, I don't think the players actively go on the ice. They're professional, right? Like, I I don't think it's in the sense of they know Shesterkin's in and they think they can be lazy and, like, oh, he'll save. it. Like, that's a very, like, below spring league type of mentality. I think it is noticeable, though, like, thinking about breakaway opportunities Shesterkin's already faced a penalty shot they given up a shorthanded goal in Nashville where it was like a streaking in breakaway the only time i can recall with Jonathan Quick there was like a lazy fast break was the duclair goal in, against san jose where it was like no one was even close to duclair but other than that like i'm not putting quick down I'm not putting the team in front of Shesterkin down but it is noticeable right like to the eye it's noticeable and it seems that when a backup goaltender is in and the Rangers have had now with both of their Vezina level a hall of fame goaltender and a goaltender that has that DNA in him to become that it's funny because they seem to give up those opportunities there's no specific small things but it's the details in the game were like there's giveaways and just things that occur in front of Chesterkin that I do think it might be second nature, but there just might be a little bit of small details that if a game opens up, it's like, well, we trust in Chesterkin. And I think that obviously they do in quick too, because quick is playing like a starter right now. But at the same time, I think he gives Shesterkin some time. He might be dealing with a little bit. And I, if again, you're gonna pick and choose. All right, it's December. But I do have to say, Stevo, Laviolette apparently at the uh, tra- the the morning skate today said that it was um, you know the team in front of both goaltenders. But it, it is interesting because you bring up that point and I, I don't think one thing points to it, but it's details in the game, like small things, stick lifts, things of that nature that just like, they seem to happen in front of Shesterkin or, or, um, you know, in Columbus that happened uh, in Ottawa, like those are blatant times where it was like they were giving up goals in bunches. So it'll be interesting. I mean, quick was in that though against San Jose and they gave up five. um, But I do think it happens more frequently with Chesterkin and I don't think there's really any data or analysis that goes really far to say it. And obviously no one's coming out from the locker room, right and saying like, Yeah, but you know, we knew we had Chesterkin and like that's not happening either. Um, it may be subconscious. That's what I would say.
1: Yeah, I I want to go back to, you mentioned Laviolette. I think you got to give him a little bit of credit for this last game against the Kings. When you're facing uh, a Kings team that entered the game, uh, I think number one in the league in goal differential, five on five, I mean, fantastic. One of the best teams in the league. Rangers tighten up their game considerably high, especially on defense. Uh, they limited mistakes. Uh, pri- Prioritized their own end uh, on the ice playing really well. Um, and again, they just eliminating any high danger scoring chances. I think Quick only had 11 or 12 saves at the end of two periods. So I think that's kind of the the edge that the Rangers had in the first month of the season and why they were so successful, Chives. So just getting back to what this team is all about and kind of their identity and how they like to play the game uh, and making that adjustment, knowing what the opponent is good at and switching it up. And wiping what Saturday's game out of their head because that was honestly uh, disappointing. I'm sure nobody wants to go back and talk about that game. We'll put that one away. But again, limiting mistakes, uh, just a limiting the quality chances that LA had over the first two periods, and really setting them up uh, for success in the third period. And you had some of the some of the uh, guys that you really don't expect to step up here, like a, a Will Cooley. Uh, love to see that. Uh, all positives there. Um, take it and you move on to the next one overall. Um, I don't want to call it a, mu- a game that was a must win, but uh, it was a game that I think you definitely kind of had to take to keep up in that conversation uh, for being one of the best teams in the league for sure.
0: Yeah, I think uh, some cool tidbit on the Will Cooley goal too. Vincent Trocheck assists that. Um, they played on the line together to open the season when Trochek was down in the third line, by the way, he's been probably, I would argue Trochek's probably been one of the most, if not the most valuable New York Ranger this season, but will Cooley scores. Will Cooley, 21 years old, Toronto native. He's had to live with billet families before, but at 21, right. Our age, he's living with the Trocheks wrote a piece on him. It all, for whatever reason, like the fans love the, the info that comes out about that. And when I've had the chance to talk to both of them about it, it it's uh. A cool moment that Trocheck assisted on Cooley's goal. And, like, Will Cooley lives with Vincent Trocheck right now and his family. Like, they take care of him. It's like a billet family. So, that was a cool moment. Something that happened today, speaking of the defense, we're bouncing around a little. Just want to throw that little tidbit in. Keandre Miller out for personal reasons. They lost Caco, LTIR. Adam Fox was on the LTIR. Philip Heedle was added to the LTIR retrospectively with a suspected concussion. Now, Keandre Miller out, personal reasons. He's vital to the defense, he's a top four skater. Steve, what are your thoughts?
1: It's tough. Uh, I'm gonna give you two stands on this. Uh, but number one, personal reasons—that could be one of a million different things. I mean, there's obviously no point speculating that. And quite frankly, unless it's unless it's anything that's gonna keep them more out more than a week, we're never gonna find out. But I think this team has got to take the approach that it has up to this point in the season. Obviously, again, and it's kind of that next man up, no quit mentality. You know, you saw that when Adam Fox went down. You saw that when Phil Hedo went down. And quite frankly. I think the team kind of played better with with Fox out of the lineup. Uh for sure. Fox comes back a little sloppy and again has nothing to do with, with with Fox being in there. But again, it's more of that next man up mentality. Fox goes down, you see Gustafson step up. Now we kind of see Miller go down. You see Jones step up. I think it's kind of that next man up mentality. And this team has has really played I don't want to say met the expectation, but this team has played really well when especially the top dogs are not in the lineup. So I don't anticipate Keandre Miller being out more than I would say he's probably back in there on Friday, unless this is something that's major, which I don't think it will be, but um, I don't know. So uh, we'll see. But even if it's, if he's out for two games, I don't think it's make or break, you know, against the, we all know the Leafs bring on offense. Um, uh, Maybe these last few games, they've been hit a little bit of a road bump. But again, if we could get back to that kind of tight and contested defense that we played against the Kings, we just well against opponents. Um, I, I think I think we would be fine. Uh, especially moving on. You you want to make sure you have Miller back for for the game against Boston.
0: Yeah, looking ahead for sure. I mean, maybe when this drops, there'll be more information, but Keandre Miller, um, obviously paired with Jacob Truba. That that is a hit, especially for how well Troop is playing. Like you said, next man up's been working phenomenally for the New York Rangers overall. Like you said, Johnny Brodzinski scores on the power play. Like power play goal, hot, hot broad. Okay, we'll take that. Um, you have the depth is chipping in every game. Gustafson, like you said, I thought the defense played really well without Adam Fox, which is a crazy statement to say. 2021 Norris trophy winner. So Keandre Miller goes down. They're trying to keep pace because the Metro this year is good, but not what anyone expected. Philadelphia Flyers, Washington Capitals in the mix with, with New York Islanders. So, steve what are your takes on the Metro right now?
1: It's definitely surprising up to this point. You know, obviously you th- you would have thought that New Jersey would have been up there a little bit higher, Carolina also. Uh, would have been a little bit higher you would have figured but carolina's played more games than we have and they've kind of hit a road bump there same with the devils devils have hit a massive road road bump and these these are two teams that really are have not been playing up to their potential i'll throw another one in there pittsburgh too you know a lot of i thought pittsburgh's last really last year their last month and a half that they really sucked uh, that really cut them out of the playoffs last year I thought that was a fluke and I thought this team would come back they would rebound and to start the season that really has not been the case they've, mm-hmm. they've also uh really have not been playing up to potential um and it, and partly mainly uh, a good reason for that is you got teams like the capitals coming out capitals had some big wins they, they beat the devils they beat the islanders and you see they're surging up in the standings um the, the flyers are tough. Um, you know it seems to be like the last like two years they've been in this position uh for the after the first two months of the season and you really can't tell if this team or recently you really can't tell if this team is a team that you know what they're in this thing and you can't eliminate them or if the new year comes and before you know it they're back down there in the standings with columbus uh, columbus you knew that they really just they have hard <laughs> times hanging in there you know injuries plague them and they just get trumped and they're on the bottom, so it, it's kind of it's kind of tough. And then the Islanders, I thought he told me they would be in second. I would be I wouldn't be surprised, but I didn't really see them as a second team. I saw them more as a third, fourth, fifth team in the Metro for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's interesting. It just goes to show you that it's wide open. Obviously, we have the cushion at the top, but you, you go and you slump two games and you know, we'll, we'll talk about it in a second, but the schedule at the end of the year does not allow the Rangers much breathing room um, when it comes down to the wire. So it's tough. I, I would love to hear your thoughts on the Metro.
0: It's obviously crazy, but I, I do think um, something that, speaking of playoff implications that I'm more keeping an eye on is how are the teams like Tampa Bay, playing in a position where they're fighting for a wild card because to me the rangers if they're able to keep in first or second in the division which from what it looks like they likely will um Um, even if they drop to third or whatever you're if you're in those first two positions like you're playing a wild card team right or if you're in first in the division so or if you're in second, now you're playing a third team, and right now that third team, I believe, is Washington or Philadelphia. So it's like you're you're playing kind of these sleeper teams, and that could be dangerous for the Rangers because I think last season it was a buildup. It seemed like they were playing New Jersey for three months. It got boring to talk about, and then it was there, it was intense, and it was over, and it was an ugly ending. This year, to me, feels like, Whatever team they might draw in the postseason, they have to be ready to play playoff hockey. And that's what all the conversations have been this year with the team and the team meetings. It's not about direct results. It's when we're encountering this situation, how are we going to approach it? And I think that matters because right now with the way the Metro is shaping up, there's teams that you're not suspecting. And those are the most dangerous teams to me. Really? So, like, Philadelphia? You know what, Philly? We talked about this. Like, the Rangers, when they rebuilt in 2018, they were pretty good. And then they got to January, and they dropped one game in Arizona, like, 7 nothing, And just from that point on, off the rails. Like, they were terrible. So, I can't tell with Philly if this is going to be like, a, you know, that it carries them through. Um, are they going to keep pace or slow down a little bit but still make the playoffs and just kind of stink in the playoffs? Um, but even if it's not a team like Philly, we're talking Florida Panthers doing pretty well. Uh, Toronto Maple Leafs doing pretty well. Tampa Bay Lightning doing pretty well, but they're, they flirted with the wild card. The Islanders are on a tear right now. I think they're like, they won eight in their last 12 or something, or like in last in their last 10. But is that a team that if they start dropping games or fighting for a wild card, that's a dangerous team to me, Steve. That's a dangerous team to me. A team that comes in, Tampa Bay Lightning. In I'm looking at for I'm writing a piece on the Rangers statistics that jump out. I'm not an advanced stats guy, but the star of the season. If you ask at any point forwards, block shots, forwards, hits, Tampa's involved in all that. And that's what bred Barkley Goodrow, a player that came over from San Jose, had those intangibles. Won two Stanley Cups with Tampa, boosted his stock up, and then now he's playing for New York, playing that same brand. That's a team, to me, that's a sleeper and is dangerous. Nikita Kucherov leads the league in points, and he's on a team right now that's in the wild card. I mean, it doesn't get more dangerous than that. And I'm not saying specific teams, but I hear you. I do want to talk about Philly, though, because you brought this up to me. What are your thoughts? Is a team like Philly, do you keep in pace? Do Carolina and New Jersey surge back? Or is this something where it's like New Jersey is going to be challenged Challenge. all season because they won playoff series last year. Every team's going to get up to play them. Or is this something that right now it's like they didn't have Timo, they didn't have Nico, and now that they have all their guys, we will get into position and get back into like that first, second spot in the division.
1: For me, I think it's going to be hard for the Flyers to keep pace. Uh, and that's just my opinion um they just like us they're going to have a tougher second half of the of, of the season in terms of schedules um i think a lot of games against the devils and the islanders and the hurricanes might do them in um, mm-hmm. that's just me personally. And you got to think that, that the Devils and the, and the Hurricanes find that spark and jump up. And again, I'm not really done on Pittsburgh either. I really don't think this team is playing. I mean, they have the dogs, Jake Gensel and Crosby. I mean, they got a really good team down there. And at some point you think the mode has got to flip and they turn on, um, so you're they- taking the
0: brand, you're taking the brand Avenue. You're saying Eric Carlson. If getting Malkin, Sidney Crosby, they'll be fine. That's how that's.
1: Yeah. And listen, I'm after Eric Carlson's like really fluky year a uh, year ago I'm not as big on him as i as a lot of people were but I think he's still enough in the system again I, I'm a big system kind of guy and you plug him in there it's going to operate himself so I think it's a it's it's only a matter of
0: time before Pittsburgh wakes up and yeah you he's not look- the guy right like I'm he used to the guy be that not. Guy. he's not the guy like he was in Ottawa he's but imagine like it's like this is weird to say but imagine like Adam Fox at 37. You're like, well, I'll take him. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess so. But I, I, he's not
1: the guy, and I do agree with you, but he's enough of a guy to fit the system and still be a controllable piece to that defense. I mean, they still have a good defense there. I just think they, they haven't played up to potential. Um Mm-hmm. And you got to look at the, the 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 things that have really haunted some of these teams, like Carolina, New Jersey, and it's been goaltending, man. Goaltending has not been good. The defense, two of these teams, I mean, I don't
0: think well, Carolina. Carolina kind of it hasn't been beneficial, but they were banking on Frederick Anderson, and he had like a blood clot. So uh, that's like one of those like you can't control. Should they have maybe you know Rontas has actually played pretty shaky and. We speak about Jonathan Quick, Ronta, former Benny Alaire product. He was really good for them when the Rangers played them in the postseason and he had to step in. So yeah, Carolina definitely in a little bit of a different situation, but I'll agree with Pittsburgh and New Jersey. I don't think their goaltending department's very good to, to begin with.
1: Yeah, you look at it. I mean, check and Schmidt, um, they have not been that good, you know, and no. this team, and I t- going back to the Christie episode. I knew, and we talked about what is their biggest issue, and it seems going into the season that it was going to be goaltending, and it it really – I don't think the Devils are in, like, uh, Oilers' terms of desperation in terms of goaltending, but, I mean, if the Devils go on the next month here and they really struggle, I mean, it's going to be a big issue. And, of course, they've gotten hit with the injuries. Injuries have not helped. the the devils and compare that to a team like the Islanders. I think the Islanders are a much more interesting place because they found a ways, they found ways to win the tough games.
0: So do the Rangers. Exactly. That's the one thing with this Ranger team. Hail to the man upstairs. Like we talked about next man up before they found a way. And that's the one reason I will not give New Jersey the benefit of the doubt. Yes, you were down Timo. He hasn't been that good since he's been there. And I don't have stats like I could pull him up. But just for the sake of the flow of the conversation here, he hasn't been great. Nico is down. He is a great player. But at the same time, like selkie type. Okay, the Rangers were down. Adam Fox, who actually won the Norris Trophy. You're down Dougie Hamilton, who had a pretty good resurge type year last year. I don't think Dougie is Adam Fox. So that's my take on that. But I do agree, actually. I like that you brought up the Islanders in that conversation, too, because they had a lot go on. They've had uh, Stefan Rossner, the, the hockey news reporter for the Islanders. I feel like every day I open my phone, he's reporting that there's an injury. There's a guy that had to be called off. There's a, there's a trade because this guy was injured, and now this guy is not in the lineup. So the Islanders have balanced a lot, and they're another one of those teams that, like, they made the playoffs last year and without Bo Horvat for a full season.
1: Yes, yeah, and they picking guys off waivers coming in with the injuries. I think they've handled adversity really well this season, Chives. And you gotta figure at some point they gotta they're gonna keep it up. Um, I do want to go back to the Penguins for a second. I mean, this is a team that I think is better than their record, and, and teams like that kind of s- should scare you in a sense. Um, I think when the Penguins are on top of their game, they're a top two team in this division. But when the Penguins are not on top of their team, we'll calling them the bad Penguins. The bad Penguins are a bottom two team.
0: Child. Bizarro Penguins.
1: Yes. By and the
0: he- way, fun fact: All sports news put up. They I, I like. They put up um every day. There, like in this day in history, Mike Sullivan was hired uh, nine years ago today.
1: Wow, that's interesting. Well, uh, he again. He's a when you have a coach like that. I mean, got to
0: click like that at some point. Um, you think it, you think it's a little over the hill though for them. They uh, usually I'm good with comparing like different teams from different sports. The Penguins to me feel a little brand though, and we we're going to disagree on this. And I think until the season's over, their team. We talk about it. Me and you've been on this now. Like you mentioned, we've been recording puck talk since fifteen sixteen. We've been talking about since then. The Penguins are a team. They get hot at the l- end of the year. But they have not won a playoff series since 2018. So, what convinces you that they're they're better than their record?
1: Well, listen, I'll start right at goaltending. I mean, Jari has elevated his play. I mean, he's got one of the best save percentages in the league, and he's had a recent surge. And this team, when this team uh, dials in and locks in, and they score, Crosby's still scoring goals at a good pace. Uh, when this team scores, I mean, they're tough to beat. But the problem is when they don't score, then they're going to have to rely on defense more. They're going to have to rely on Jari. And again, Jari's been pretty good this season, or at least
0: recently. I don't think, again. I actually don't think they scored a power play goal in the month of November, too. Yeah. And, and- like the beginning of the season was kind of like that NFL training camp mentality where people were like, oh, Eric Carlson, Latang, Malkin, Crosby, Gensel, like, or Rust, like, That power play videos were coming out of their training camp and everyone was like, oh, my God, the league's like no one's going to survive. And you go two months in advance and the whole month of November, they don't record a power play goal. That's huge too. special teams.
1: Of course, um, and again, it's not like they're lacking any dogs in that department. I mean, they got a great power play for sure. I mean, you want you want to sit here and round out who they got rolling out there? I mean, there's no doubt that they got some dogs on there. Jake Gensel, I'm a big dogs. But they're guy. not
0: performing.
1: That's true, but again, I still, I again, I still think that they're gonna pick it up. I mean, that that might just be me, but
0: because like with I the think- Rangers power man. play, like if they went on a slump. Are, are we really sitting here and saying like, listen, that's a bad slump, bro. Four weeks is bad. But if the Rangers were in that same situation, you kind of have faith, which I want to bring up a name to you. Mika Zibanejad. Does he feel the same way? Now, this is a little bit of a stretch, but as the power play for the Penguins, he has seven goals this season. He's fourth on the team in goals. And n- normally in the past, he puts up, 15 to 20 on the power play. Last season was, I believe, his career high with 20. He only has three power play goals this year from that one-time spot. Is Mika Zibanejad, like, do you have faith that he'll bounce back if we're going by that kind of a feeling, the way Steve-O views the game? Is the Penguins, to you, like – that OBJ, like, oh, we'll plug him in the lineup and we got faith in him and we can do anything because we're the Rams and Sean McVay or the 49ers with Chase Young and McCaffrey? Or is it more like, you know, how you view Zabanajad, where it's like, oh, he hasn't really heated up yet and that's how he's playing right now?
1: Interesting. I I, I have not thought of that comparison comparing Zabanajad to the Penguins' power play, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, listen. I think Zabanishad has more pieces around him that contributing. When you take a look at the Penguins not scoring a power play goal in the month of November, that's not you. Don't point to one guy and say, you know what, that Jake Gensel, he's the problem. It's a whole team effort. The reason mm-hmm. why the Rangers are one of the best teams in the league, um, best team in the conference, is mainly because. Uh well, Zabansat yeah he could struggle but he could, he could go kind of on the radar because other guys have kind of stepped in and filled that void. You have Panarin, you have Lafreniere, you have Johnny Quick coming in sealing shutout wins. So yeah, again he's Zibanejad is more around him that that makes that kind of pushes that lower under the radar and the Penguins really struck out that that entire month of November. But I think in a sense yeah I guess you could compare them um. Um, I hope it's that doesn't go a month without scoring a power play – without recording a power play point. But um, I think the Penguins are, are going to rebound. And they – not to say that they have an easier portion of their schedule coming up. I know that they play the Coyotes and the Canadians uh, within, like, the next week. Um, so they, they're they going to play some uh, – I don't want to call them lower-tier teams, but they're going to play some teams that they could really top uh, – Really tear off on. And, uh, to me, the Penguins could easily give you a five, six, seven goal uh, performance. Um, and and uh, to me, that's what they need. They need they need to get back on track and they need to find their footing. And the pieces are there. I will tell you that though, Chaz, I am more confident um, in Carolina and New Jersey climbing up than I am than I would be with the Penguins. I think Carolina for sure they got to find their f- footing at some point, and the Devils, too, a little bit. I don't think this Devils team uh, is on par. I think it's obvious the Devils are not on the same level that they were last year, for sure. Um, and how about this? I think it's as simple as, as simple as this. If if the top six aren't going to step up and, and really tee off on given nights, I think whoever finds their footing and plays the better goaltending, either Carolina or New Jersey, is going to be the team that rises
0: up in the standings. Steve O, I got Mark Messier. Mark Messier, number 11, right behind me. I believe he was the last Hart Trophy winner for the New York Rangers. I want to say it was 90, maybe 91, his first year as a Ranger. Do you think Artemi Panarin is not only MVP caliber, but the shoe in Hart Trophy favorite?
1: Good question.
0: Um, yeah, for
1: sure. You got to keep him in that conversation for sure from what he's done. Um, and a lot of it's going to come down to how he plays in the second half of the season. Um, as of right now, I don't like I don't like saying, yes, he is. Because then he'll come out and then have a uh, – given my luck, he'll come out and have a 10-game yeah. pointless streak. Um,
0: yeah.
1: But yeah, I think for sure he's got to be in that conversation. I mean, comparing him to, to not – Number eleven—that's a tough task, but um, it, it, its going to be interesting to see when it comes to Panarin. How about this? I'll give you a different answer. Um, Panarin is going to be interesting to see because let's say guys like Mika and other guys in the lineup—you know, I don't—I don't—I wouldn't want to say Blake Wheeler, um, but guys like Kreider and 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 Zibanejad are not able to come back into form is Panarin still able to carry that workload and and remain in this top conversation? I think that's a big question because as much as Panarin's been great and he's been fantastic, I don't want to have to rely on him Especially in the second half of the season, especially when we play those 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 tough games with back to back. We gotta play Washington, Washington, Carolina, New Jersey, the Islanders, then we gotta play Philly. And if they're a team that's still in the mix, throwing the Penguins, we got a couple games against them. I don't wanna have to rely on one single guy. And again, you kinda see that with the Penguins, you know, you know, at end of games, they're just throwing the puck to Crosby and they're not generating any offense. Relying on one guy just doesn't work out, you know, again. I think you've said this before hockey's a game where you get a guy going and he's hot. Yes. He's going to be, it's going to be tough to control him. But again, I don't want to be a team that relies on one guy. I mean, we have mm-hmm. so many pieces around us um, and I want to see we're not there yet. Um, there's a lot of pieces that I still think you throw them that advantage at you oh, and you want to be able to see a little bit more from Kreider. How about the fourth line? You you mentioned them. You, you They could really bring an impact to games, you know, I mean, I don't want to rely on one guy.
0: I think this season is going to have two narratives. So I'm going to play clairvoyant here, Steve-O. And based on what you're saying with Panarin, it's something it's okay. I've seesawed on for a little while. The Rangers are either going to be a team that the fourth line plays well, Panarin, Lafreniere, Trocheck play well. And the first and third line don't really figure out an identity. And the they will only go deep in the playoffs for as far as their defense against the rush. Igor Shesterkin, the second line and fourth line will take them. Or those players that have, have been quiet for the first half, first quarter. Will heat up. Mika Zibanejad maybe comes close, has some shades of a 91 point season like he had last year. Chris Kreider maybe a shades of that 2021 22 season of 52 goals, and they become a juggernaut team where it's difficult to shut down anybody, and that makes them a Stanley Cup favorite. And I'm hearing both sides of that, the flip of the coin. I'm having a hard time really deciding what I think is this a Stanley cup contending team some nights a hundred percent. And I'm not going to say other nights on the few losses they've had, but there are nights where I look and I say, if a team finds a way to defend Panarin and Lafreniere in layers or eliminate their rush play or eliminate Lafreniere from carrying through the neutral zone and from now forcing Panarin to carry through the neutral zone. Maybe Vincent Trochik's a little bit colder. Zibanejad doesn't really, as you mentioned in your words, return to form. Chris Kreider doesn't really return to form now. It's the postseason. We know Kreider turns up in the playoffs. We know Zibanejad has that capability too. But in the case that they play a team like the Islanders, maybe the Flyers are that wildcard team. I know there's a – a different level of engagement, responsibility, and accountability in the playoffs. But I do find that narrative might spin off and it could be ugly if a player like Panarin shut down. So as much as I enjoy the conversation because he is the heart candidate, and if not, he's he's top five, at least in the NHL right now, I do question, is that kind of glazing over some of the small things. And we talked about it last episode. I don't want to bring a negative air here, but we talked about Blake Wheeler, right? He struggled. He didn't turn that around against LA. And I think that's what you see is what you get with him. But I want to ask you, steve do you see this team as a bona fide cup contender? Or is this a team that if certain adjustments are made by the opponent can be shut down? And granted, that's the case for every team. We saw that with Boston last year but I'm saying like shut down, like they lose four straight, like they they did in 22 in the conference final versus if they get shut, you know, maybe not shut down, but if they lose game seven overtime, like the Bruins did. All right. They had a hell of a season and the the opponent really turned up and had some magical moments.
1: Yeah. I, I think it's a combination of both. You take a look at it for sure. Obviously, I think it's established that this is a cup-contending team, considering the fact that we're first in the Metro, Um, and again, we got a five, six-point lead on the next team up, which is the Islanders, but this is definitely a team that can get shut out, and I don't... When I watch every night, Chives, I I don't want to be shut out, because all it takes is for one team to exploit how we shut Panarin down, how we shut Lafreniere down, and then it, it's going to take a team like Carolina or New Jersey to jump on it. And when we play them three or five more times in the season, they're going to act upon it. And these are teams that could really neutralize our guys. And when our guys get neutralized, i tell you what, Chives, we look lifeless. I mean, you throw throw a couple games in there, like Senators for sure. I mean, that first Nashville game uh, earlier on in the season, first two weeks of the season, I mean, we really do look lifeless when we are shut down so when i watch every night i'm watching to to make sure that doesn't happen um
0: yeah like how much does the rangers controlling play affect if they get shut down because something i noticed too johnny and i talked about this in the presser but i want to talk about this on the mic extensively with my main man steve-o the rangers employed a 1-3-1 against arizona And I actually didn't act upon it quick enough. I wanted to take a photo of it because it was so discreet that they want to force you to turn the puck over and capitalize on your mistake. And since then, I think that's what we mean by lost their way. And part of that, I think, has to do with control of the game. The Rangers, I think, if they control the game, they'll win the hockey game. But if they don't, They've gotten away from finding a way to turn the game in their favor. And I think that's what happened against Washington. I think that's what happened against Ottawa. And granted, they're very small sample sizes. And it doesn't take away from the positivity of how well Panarin's playing. How well – I mean, they're getting scoring from everyone. The fourth line. I mean, we're talking guys that have played 500 games in the NHL as role players are, like, becoming scorers on this team or contributing – Game winners. Jimmy Vc has three of them. He's been Injuries awesome. has not been a problem, man. But I, again, I'm sorry, I, I got on a little bit of a tangent, but I agree. If the Rangers control play, I feel like that's where they succeed. And when they don't, I feel like they, they've had a little bit of a difficult time turning that tide. Nashville was a, a good example that they had. But otherwise, I, I don't think there's a lot of examples this season that point to that, so.
1: I agree with that point, for sure. Um, it also depends who you're playing and who turns it around and gets hot at the right time. I don't know. Maybe the Rangers play Carolina in the playoffs, and Carolina, you know what? They weren't playing good de- defense and had good go- goaltending, but now, come April, they turned it around. And, and they you know, so... Uh, You know it's it's tough to say um
0: you you have to ask questions when a team is this good because i think it's important to report and highlight the aspects of a team not in a negative way but to point out things that could change outcomes zach jones is now back in the lineup i don't have stats in front of me again like a could sit here and type them up and waste more time, more of our listeners (laughs) time. But at the end of the day, I do question like when Zach Jones is now in the lineup, how many wins have they, how many games have they won with Zach Jones in the lineup? I'm curious about things of that nature. It comes to mind because Keandre Miller is a major part of the team. How many guys that are important are going to go down before it could be the tipping point. Those are valuable questions. And I think, for the positivity and the fact that they've only lost literally count on your hands games, really one hand and maybe a few fingers. <laughs> they, there are still things that can lead to skids. And we're seeing where that became evident in you know, the last week or so.
1: Yeah. I got a question for you. How about this? Rangers got two back-to-back games coming up this weekend. They got a, they got one against the ducks and they got a tough one coming up a rematch against the Bruins. And you know, they've been waiting for this one after the result of the last one. Who do you play in net Jonathan quick or Shesterkin
0: against? Oh, I see Shesterkin starting against Toronto barring anything happens in the next few hours with that. First of all, by the way, I, I we have a, a special guest lined up um, for the next Leaf game because I love the Maple Leafs. I love talking about them. I love the drama around them. Um, so I wish we could talk about that and how that hat might have to do with, you know, the goaltending choice for obviously Friday. Barring how the game goes, though, I really think, you know, Lavi's gone with quick in some big games. And that's a really valuable question because it's like, uh, you know, is it something that they – the decision is they want Chester to feel a little more comfortable before going into the game like that. I don't know if that's the case. Um, I, I really think you, you start quick against Anaheim and you start Chester against Boston in Boston. Cause you want your starter in that, right? But Jonathan quick was in that when they topped the Bruins to become the best team in the NHL at the, at that point in the season, two weeks, two, three weeks back. So, I think there comes a point where if I'm I Peter Laviolette and I'm standing at the podium, I am telling you that Saturday against Boston, there Shesterkin is starting. But I'm not Peter Laviolette standing at the podium. So I don't know. And whatever decision comes about, there's going to be positives and negatives to that decision. That might affect the game. But at the end of the day, in my opinion, there's got to be a time where where you say, you know, we're playing Shestricken against the other best team in the conference.
1: I agree with him. I 100% agree you with you. Agrees. I love that. I love that. And here's the reasoning Shesty is the best card that we have in our deck. Why are we not throwing him out there in games that matter the most? Like, and his... up to this point, he has not been the best. He's not been the best. Uh, mm-hmm. He's the best card in the deck, but he hasn't been pulling out. Uh, the wins when we needed to, and again, you've seen the performance. That Washington game was a doozy, and Quick's been. I think a lot of it does have to play. A little bit of the decision does play into what happens in this Leafs game. If listen, if we get trumped by the Leafs, then then yeah, you know what, you might want to roll out Chesty next game, get a rebound game in against the Ducks, and you know throw Quick back out there because Quick kind of seems more of a short term pro- uh, solution. But again, I, it's only a matter of time before I think we see quick's elements from the last two years that we've seen we saw a little bit seeping in there with the, in the sharks game
0: um but again, again I think care. that was actually the defense in front of him I'll say I have a lot of faith in quick but who are you starting game 1 of the playoffs
1: it's gotta be And I know no that's
0: months from now but I I think that's what kind of what you're saying too right is like he's he is a weapon for you and he might not be at his best right now but like you're saying it's like listen there's a there's situations going on with this Rangers team that are unforeseen and they're winning, but there is something unsettling thinking that Gustafson and quick have performed better. And that's the truth. I mean, th- this is the truth. I'm speaking the truth on the mic. Then I think Adam Fox and Igor Shuster can have this season because those are your, your two award winners on the team. Like they were named at a point in their career at 20, maybe they're both 25, 26, the best defender in the NHL and the world's best hockey league and the best goaltender in the world. They were named that in the last two seasons. So, or three seasons. So with that, like you're saying, it's like, he is he is the best. I like that. He's like your ace, right? But like, how many times are you, steve this is my question. You said, give him a bounce back if, if he gets pulled against Toronto, right? Which I don't know if he will or not, but even so, even if he needs another game under his belt, you're gonna play him against Anaheim.
1: If if he struggles, I am because yep. it's the next opportunity. I want him to get out there, and to me, it's more important that he gets this for his confidence level. That he gets a rebound game under his belt, and there's a good chance, even though Anaheim's picked up the pace here, good chance of that happening. And I I like that matchup better, and we'll 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 address that question. There'll be tons of other games, even though. Playing, it doesn't get any bigger. I think, in my opinion, than playing in Boston, uh, the team that's second best in the conference or best in the conference, that's yeah. gonna be going going up against us. Um, so I think there's no better testament to that. But it all depends. Uh, to me, I I would, if I'm Laviolette, I would play. Uh, I would specify this. Uh, to what's going on with Igor's situation trying to get his confidence up in a rebound game instead of if you... he Let's say he does blow, which I don't think he will, but let's say he blows it up and you yes. hit him the next game and then you bring him back into Boston. I think it's kind of a tough thing to do. Uh, it's kind of a tough thing to do for a, 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 a number one goaltender in the league that, again, has not played up to expectations. Hasn't played terrible, but again... It, and we've seen this as a testament to Igor's game. He has these streaks. I don't know if it's a mental thing. I mean, you go back to the playoffs against Pittsburgh, you know, on the road. Yeah. You know, the Igor, Igor, he just couldn't couldn't get it on the road. You know, I don't know what it is, but um, it'll be interesting to see in, in, in the coming days for sure. Um, but again, hypothetical situation, you love to have
0: Igor out uh, against the Bruins. I don't think enough people have talked about the goaltending in New York. And I think it's because, again, the team's winning. Mm -hmm. I like that we talked about that. Something else. How important to you are Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider? Like, we know it's important, but is if they don't get, if they don't warm up, and granted, they get a long time until the playoffs, but they don't warm up. Like, I personally think they were what carried the Rangers through the playoffs in 2022. One of three Stanley Cup runs in the last now more than a decade was because of how they played when the Rangers needed something they delivered. And it's funny because now it seems like the opposite. It seems like Panarin is that guy when he was out of the big three forwards, he was the guy that everyone was questioning what was going on. You know, he didn't step up all the way. That's something I'm fearing uh, out of, out of Crowderon's advantage right now. I just feel they haven't been, um, Broadway Joe for the Rangers.
1: yeah, and let's be honest. I mean there's no no there's no reason to sugarcoat it. They've not been explosive. And again, mm-hmm. I was going to bring up that the playoffs two years ago when we went to the conference finals. What did we have in common with that? And to banish Anna and they are a one two punch. you know mm-hmm. there, there's no we could agree with that, right?
0: Oh, 100%. And I think this season it's weird because just to build on that, like Panarin and Loft seem to be like that this year, which is a good thing, but it would be a good thing if that was additional. Exactly.
1: Again, Panarin Panarin and Loft have been – I don't want to call them secondary, but again – They've, they've had that connection this year, and Crider and Zibanejad have not. And I, To me, Zibanejad and Crider are the one-two punch. When you roll out and you have your one-two punch rolling, the se- it's way easier for the secondary pieces to come in and contribute. And you, again, you're more likely to have an overall complete game. But when the one-two punch is not there, and you're relying on Panarin and Lafreniere, but oh no, not, tonight they're not on, it's just tougher. And you look at all the playoff wins that the Rangers have had, Uh, 95% of them have had Panarin, uh, not Panarin, Kreider and Zibanez have the one-two punch on a roll, whether it's the power play, whether it's five-on-five, whether it's uh, late-game dramatics, you know, we've all seen that, you know. So you want your one-two punch there. And again, I would also have to assume that at some point they got to get something going. Uh, But again... You want to punch you. You want you want them out there, and not only do you want them out there, you want to have full confidence in them. So we got a little bit more time. Again,
0: I know we. Kind but of been... I said this to my dad the other night, Steve-O. A little more time, only like two and a half months until the trade deadline. Which I know again, yeah, that's time, but it's for the right wing and their complementary piece, which is part of that conversation. Like, is Brodzinski playing there because? Then to shake things up, Lavi put Wheeler back up on the first line, and that's not working. Kako did not work. Brodzinski, I thought, was working. And then to shake things up when the team was kind of slumping, he moved Brodzinski off that line. So it's like, listen, I like Brodzinski up there. I love the way Lavi views him. He doesn't view him as just like a plug-and-play, oh, we need him for this game, and then he's not an NHL guy. Like, I love the way he views him. He can be a late bloomer. Vince talked about this on his podcast. He was like, Crowder didn't hit 52 goals. Granted, that's not the same thing. But speaking of the approach, right? Like, okay, he's 30 years old. He might not be a top tier prospect, but like, he could contribute. He could become that Frankie Vitrano type, Pavel Buchnevich type complimentary, not to that level, but something that those two need. And it seems like players with those qualities, an edge, competitive, plays with some emotion, plays really hard. That's what Bucinevich and Frankie Vetrano had. That's what Brodzinski has. But the question is, like, I don't think he catalyzes that line. He can only add to it. And I think that's what the problem has exactly. been for Kreider and Zibanejad is that Kako is not going to catalyze you. Wheeler is not going to catalyze them. They have to drive, and they have to have a good complementary piece on their wing. And I feel like Brodzinski can be that guy, but I want to know your thoughts on that.
1: It could be. I touched What do you call him? Harajani. Johnny? Would you, hot broad, hot broad. <laughs> um, listen, it, again, I don't think I can answer this question right now at this point. Um Again, I to me you're on you're on this wave, and I'm not to say that I'm not on the wave. But again, uh, when you throw them in there in games in December, you know uh, the games that truly I don't want to say they don't matter because every game matters. But again, the situation is not ride or die, you know. Um, yeah, of course he, he's, he's not
0: Kadarius line. Tony lining up off sides. <laughs> like that's not the level of games the Rangers are playing in yet.
1: True. And listen, I don't think we have a Kadarius Tony on this team, thank goodness. But um is this a player we want to trust in in a cup aspiration season? Ride or die, we're playing Carolina. Do you trust Johnny B. And again, to me, I, not to say that I don't, but I'm not fully confident in it. Again, again, we still got, uh, we still got two months until the, tra- a little bit more than two months of the trade. Deadline. No,
0: but you got to turn back the clock for me. Okay. It's January 2022. And the Rangers have just acquired Frank Vitrano. Nobody, nope. he was not for that fourth rounder. He was not going to be playing on the first line. We we knew that, like at that time, like was ah, probably playing the third line. That was the initial reaction and the initial thought. So before that, I know that there were guys that were rotating in and out of that first line. But until that player proves himself, it's kind of hard. I feel like to have that view. That's true, but to play devil's
1: advocate on both sides here. Uh, okay. Frank B, the lines that he was playing on, the lines were popping, and the offense was there.
0: But to once me, he started performing... That's true, I don't think... he's Verton- like, five points. Yeah, listen,
1: I'm not underestimating what what he's done, but I'm saying that, again... You're the other exactly, angle, I know. Exactly, yes. And again, yeah, uh, uh, let's roll him out there. Let's keep rolling him out there. He's been great. Why not? Let's see... Let's let's roll it out there until it fails. Are you
0: saying like it's game 6 of the cup final? Not
1: even a cup final. I'm just saying game 5 in, in the first round, you know? <laughs> okay. Again, it's it's tough to have these conversations in December because I don't know. The trade deadline is going to really determine where this team is at. And with, the next month,
0: Pennies that Chris Drury's working with.
1: Yeah, but listen, I, I trust him. He 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 really pulled a masterclass of 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 the cap situation last year. So he did it once. I think he could do it again.
0: I know we dogged the whole Patrick Kane thing because like Fox they or like Lingering they kept out for longer and we only played with four defensemen. That was wild. I don't think enough people talk about that. But we'll give him that. Like you gotta give him the credit for getting Kane and Tarasenko. He got both in this at this in two weeks. He got Patrick Kane and Sanko Granted, it didn't fully work out. But I do that's where I understand what you're saying. You have to have faith in his ability to acquire assets. But again, they're working with like that. I don't think they could get a single guy. I don't even know if they could pull up Megan like Offman, bro. So that's where part of the Johnny B conversation, I think, is is like, you're not moving a guy. Who are you moving?
1: It's a good point, and also, like, it, you
0: can't you're not making a swap that's like Sammy Belay right. is part of the package for Tarasenko, Tarasenko. because you got to take on Terrasenko's contract too, or some of it right <laughs> at that time. He's a P side watch out for, he's a P side watch out for, by the way. Struggling Ottawa team, also another P side. I'm going all over the place right now. Oh, we talked about game. the Penguins all effing episode. Brian Rust and Jake Gensel, keep your eyes out. I think if they can manipulate the cap, those are two guys that have playoff experience and would fit with Crowder and advantage yet.
1: That's a hot take in itself. I like that. I want to digest that a little bit. Uh, okay. First of all, the Penguins are not trading either one of those players to the New York Rangers. That's never happening. As you know much as I'd case, love
0: it. I think they would. I don't think they would. You know It also depends Penguins on where they are. Usual enough to think they're a cup contender. You're right. But in, like, the next two years because they keep doing that. But maybe they are finally are like, we need some assets. We need to draft somebody.
1: True, but I don't see that happening only because you look at it. You know, how many years does Sidney Crosby have left? How many years do these some of these players have left together? You know, we, a couple years ago, we were thinking, oh, you know, Malcolm Letang Crosby is going to get blown up. This is it. And I said, you know what? These next two to three years, this is our window. And this might be, I mean, you know, once they turn the page off this generation, I mean, it, it may not look that great. So again, they don't it's like have the Patriots. One, of course. So they might say, you know what? This is all we have. We're going to throw it in. I don't see them shifting. They'd have to be dead in the water in order for, in my opinion, to trade Gensel and, and Rust.
0: I agree. But, Steve, we're going back. Are they not pretty darn close to dead in the water? They got like, let's put it this way. They have a good month. They have until middle of January or give it the all-star break. At that point, they'll have to figure out where they're sitting in the, in the Metro. It's, it's too competitive. I, I, I don't think they have a lot of time to make up ground.
1: It is, but they're only five points behind a a wild card spot as of right now. Get don't get me wrong; it is highly competitive. There's a lot of teams in front of them, but I mean, you win two games in a row. I mean, that's or let's say you win three games in a row. That's cutting it in right there, you know. So and again, the chives
0: list. The chives list list is Vlad, Rust, maybe Gensel, (laughs) And I mean like you're trying to hype examples. me up on
1: Jay Gensel and Brian Rust. I mean, those are – those are. I mean, Drury would just be ascended to freaking S tier if
0: he could pull it's gonna that It's going to be all. the guy no one expects. Put I think that's how it's going to be because that's where they found success. I think Chris Drury looked at his cap situation and said, we may never get the chance to go for Kane and Vlad again. But Vincent Trocek is like the longest signed ranger. If you can believe that.
1: Yep, he is. I think
0: Vincent Trocek might have the longest contract on the New York Rangers right now. If not, Adam Fox and Zabana. think
1: Adam Fox is a, a one or two Fox Trocheck.
0: But the fact Trocheck's in that conversation means they value him, right? And I understand, like, you, you, they weren't going to negotiate, you know, but clearly term, whatever. With that stated, I think they look... And they say, we have these guys together for a little while. Like you just mentioned Malkin, dude, still the guy's still going. I mean, Chris Kreider entered the league like seven years after Crosby was in the league. So they got these guys for a little a little bit longer. The core is sticking together. Fox, Kreider's manager, Georgia. With that, I think Chris Drew looked down the pike and said, all right, let's try the All-Stars. Let's try them. Let's bring in the star players. We'll see how it goes. Didn't work. Collection of stars. Okay. We want a team approach. We want a little more structure. Bring in Peter Laviolette. It's going to be, I think like the first go around. And this is why players like Brodzinski and Jones have more of an opportunity because I think they're looking like our caps a little hung up in our stars and the complimentary guys are doing well. The, The next man up is doing well. So why don't we just run with that? Why don't we run with a guy that we could trade a third rounder for? And I I like that. Now, bringing up stars, contracts, this and that, is there a point, though, where you question, like, we have some of these guys signed big money. We got to see him perform because we just talked about almost every single player, I think, on the roster this episode. We're really diving deep here. And but if you're talking about trade targets, you have to acknowledge the guys that haven't been catalyzed or haven't been going
1: of course i i listen it's easier said than done i like it why not ride this out it's working out but yeah of course like i keep saying it's gonna work in december but again do trust that come playoff times and again can't answer that question right now i'm not like diffusing that your your point but again i'm just bringing it up that the come playoffs playoffs is a different animal we all know that we talk about that every year so again that's something that we'll have to address uh coming
0: later on so it'll be interesting what was the second half of your question there the star players i mean we just talk about like now that i'm thinking i can see cap friendly in my head (laughs) you talked about adam fox i think he's he's heating up he had three assists in nashville but Adam Fox isn't like blown me away. I thought last year he had like nine goals before the second half of the year. I was like, like this guy's just turning up a notch again. Again, I don't think it's ceiling. He dealt with a long-term injury for the first time in his entire hockey career. I, I asked him that when he returned, I was like thinking in my head, porters are asking some questions. I'm like, I don't think Adam Fox have, I don't think I've ever heard. He's been injured. So I'm like, Adam, like, have you ever been injured? Not once in his entire hockey career has he been out long-term. So that plays a factor in two. But Mika, again, I'm really hung up on that right now. Just <laughs> For Truba, a lot of people say that contract wasn't warranted. But I think collectively, anybody with two eyes can see he's been one of the most valuable players. We haven't really talked much about him.
1: Yeah, Watch I think he's been great.
0: Doing it, right? Like, he's been great. But players that are earning high salaries, there is an expectation for them to play. And I'm actually on the complete other side of that conversation. I'm big on, like, why is money the conversation? But I think money becomes a conversation when we start talking about the trade deadline because it's, like, you, you can't move anyone theoretically. But, like, if you could... If you move VC, like, that's moving, like, a league minimum contract, a PTO-based contract, basically. Um, like, you're not moving a Nick Benino, right? Like, you're not moving those guys that are contributor and bottom sixers or, or things of that nature, and you're not moving your studs. So it's like they're pretty locked in money-wise. Those guys got to perform because I don't think you're bringing in much of a piece for Kreider and at
1: yeah, you're not unless you you subtract a piece out of the lineup which i think in order to have case and i don't see that happening either yeah um i, I you mentioned star power i want to go back to the uh yeah you could say the failed acquisitions of oftara and kane but if we go back to this point uh or if we go back before the result of the playoffs and you you i about this as of right now, if you tell me, if you had to go back, would you would you acquire Kane, Tyrus Sango? 100% I would. Even though it yeah. didn't work out, I still would. I still would. And again, this this year is going to be different, and I still think we need to do something. And we're going to have to finesse, and there's probably going to be nights where we're going to be running Man. out four defensemen in the same, same opportunity. But um, I still think this team, unless something happens... Uh, maybe, what is a Hot Rod, Johnny?
0: What do you uh, call broad.
1: It? Hot Rod. Hot Rod. Johnny, be good. Unless Hot Rod comes out and he <laughs> whips it out in the next month. Then, yeah, I think this team is probably, and the injuries, too. The injuries are going to be
0: big, conducive. too. So, I don't know. You know, at the end of the day, as enticing as it is, like, the Blues start, uh, the Blues are one of the most unpredictable teams in the league. Like, Abuch, a Booch, a Zook. I feel like those are guys that could return. For, like, they would take a pay cut, they would take something of that nature. That's like, oh, he's a real one because he was a Ranger. I think Drew, Chris Drury doesn't like Pavel Buchanavich, um, which we've established here on the podcast, I think, before just from reports that came out over the summer. But, um, overall, though, uh, with Johnny B, he is producing, so it's almost like you take him out of lineup because I think he's a better in that position than Caco and Wheeler were. Um, it's gonna be interesting because something. Of the entire episode, we are now an hour, over an hour. We're still talking Rangers hockey here. We have not once mentioned Philip Heedle. I think that goes to show you how well this team's performing because he is crucial to the team's success.
1: Yeah, and that that's why I brought up injuries because. We don't know where we stand. And when I mention injuries. We don't know where Cockwell's going to be. We don't know where Heatle's going to be. Maybe these guys come back and tear it up. Maybe mm-hmm. these guys are not able to come back. Maybe these guys come back and they're, they're slid right into Blake, slid into being a Blake Wheeler in the lineup. So I don't know. It's all, again, it's all going to play itself out. And, you know, what we're talking about now will be completely different, I'm sure, at the trade deadline. That's how fast hockey changes. You know, maybe this team hits a slump maybe this team continues a win streak. I don't know. That that's that's what I love about hockey. You just don't know.
0: You never know. But they say that about football, but the script writers for the NFL this season, I don't think they know what they're doing. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Hopefully the script
1: writers for the NHL this season, hopefully they felt bad for us after being eliminated in the first round last year.
0: You know, I don't <laughs> think they did. You know what? I, don't think they did I will say. I will say I am happy that we don't have to be showered in like incessant devil's highlights on the internet because last season just from the jump was just like the glorification was, uh, was a bit much. I will say covering the New York Rangers here. Um, Yeah. We could talk about hypotheticals all day. Like you said, we'll never know. Um, until it happens, but right now, if we're going to turn on the gravity and come back down to earth, I I think with the way the Rangers play, I know we, we sadly have recorded this before this Maple Leafs game. I love a game against the Maple Leafs. Me too. Um, again, there's a lot of implications game by game, and you can only take it one day at a time. Like you said. Saturday's match in Boston I feel like isn't necessarily a sleeper but I I don't feel it had the it's had the emphasis I feel like with what's recently gone on everything's really taking things everything is day by day right you can only take things day by day but I feel like when the Rangers were rolling it was like oh circle New Jersey circle Boston like I feel that if the Rangers get to Boston and can play well, I-, I feel like they feel more lucky. And that might have to be with the recent news of Miller not playing now. Things like that put a damper on things, steve
1: Yeah, and how about this? I was right about this last week. I said the Rangers would struggle against Washington and rebound against the Kings. I was right about th- that. I'll say this. I would look for the Rangers, hopefully at this point, to play well against the Leafs. Come out there. I think the Rangers will play well against the Ducks. And I wouldn't be surprised if they struggle against the Bruins.
0: That's you my know thing. what? I think that's a good forecast. for if, if we're calling how we see it, see some clouds in the distance. All right. I can see that. I, I find the Rangers haven't played well in Boston ever. Maybe that's a hot take. I feel like the last time they won a big game was, like, the Thanksgiving game, like, two seasons ago. Panarin, like, knocked a puck out of the air for the game winner. Um, they won like five to three Revo was on the team at that time. Um, sad. He won't be playing tonight. I don't think, I think he's healthy scratch, but, uh, with the Toronto game, he was a real one. I actually met him. That was cool. I know I talked about on the podcast anyway, another tangent, but with the Bruins, I think they, uh, yeah, I don't know. Fringes. I feel like they don't play well up there.
1: I agree. I think, uh, at this point next week, when we're previewing Leafs round two, I think, two and one would be where I say this team would be. At, I would, I would think
0: next yeah. three. All right. Who knows? I feel like Anaheim for the longest time was like a team that um I think we're supposed to, at least with the hockey news, have Alexis Downey on. She's a, uh the one of the reporters for NTV um, personalities for the Anaheim ducks. We'll see what she says about that game. But from what I've, sensed from long range is that they they like were a team that would like they were like a flyers team or like they had that resiliency of the sharks right now um early in the season and i feel like they kind of gotten away from that like i haven't heard about trevor zegris at all you're right and
1: where where we want to be i look at this ducks team this is a team we should be not going to say that we will beat them i'm saying on paper this is well at least our aspirations this year and what we've shown is a team that we should be
0: yeah that should be a dub that should be a dub um yeah and again like you mentioned we're going to be previewing that leafs game for next week so it's kind of fun because we'll get a gauge of what the leafs are about and then the rangers go and travel up north in the six to play the leafs again next week and we'll be having a guest on for that to talk about more about kind of what happened with the last Leafs game and uh, what's going to happen in almost exactly a week, if not a week, it might be. So that will be very exciting too, Steve.
1: It will be. And I can't wait to recap it all again next week. We'll see if our prediction is right. Will the Rangers be two and one over the course of the next three games? We'll see it. Coming up this weekend. That'll wrap us up here in this episode of Puck Talk CS. Yes, of course, big matchups coming up as always. We got the Leafs, got the Ducks, and the Bruins coming up. We got the Leafs round two coming up this week on a special guest episode. Be on the lookout for that. Of course, as always, follow us, Puck Talk CS, yes, on the Instagram, the Twitter, the YouTube, for all of our contacts, for all of our previews, all of our details, all of our content, of course. And always remember, LGR, and it's just the luck of the pub.